time to turn up the attitude. <laughs> we'll be talking about the attitude era here today on Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. Hello, once again, I'm Skylar Sig Daddy Sigmund, ready to talk the attitude era, but I have a special guest here on this episode of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. He's a good friend of mine. We were college <laughs> classmates in radio and he's a fellow wrestling fan. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Ladies and gentlemen, JBK, Jimmy, how are you doing, man? <laughs> doing fantastic, brother. Thanks for uh, having me on the show. Um, born and raised in Indianapolis and kind of have a, a an oddly rich history in uh, professional wrestling. Um with the charity work that I've done and just family association. So uh, excited to be here. Excited to talk about an industry. That's a lot of fun. You know? It is. It is. It is a lot of fun. While, while a lot of fun, uh, it can be toxic as well. Quite, quite toxic. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, especially funny. the fan base, but that's fan bases of anything can be <laughs> especially toxic, but we're not going to get into that really that toxicity here on the show. And we're not talking about the system of a down song by the way. But uh, we're going to talk about the Attitude Era here today, but we're also going to be talking about other things, more of like a campfire chat, very informal conversation here about professional wrestling, the Attitude Era. And just kind of actually, I want to start this off with you and I's kind of uh, relationship and uh, giving the listeners like a, yeah. a, a brief viewpoint of what how we kind of uh, met up. And uh, tell me, tell your side of the story, Jimmy. <laughs> Well, I uh, I came to know Skyler uh, since we were classmates uh, at the University of Indianapolis. We worked at the same uh, college station, eighty-eight-seven WICR. Um, which the Diamond. Was a, yes, eighty-eight eighty-eight-seven. The Diamond, uh, which was a jazz format, oddly enough. So you know, at from the ages of uh, nineteen to twenty-two, twenty-three, I was you know talking about jazz of all things on the radio. Uh, but we got great experience, did a uh, morning show together. And, um, you know, since the world has migrated to podcasts, we're, we're both doing that. Basically, you need a podcast to have a driver's license these days in the United States. So Every, uh, Everyone's got one. Yeah. Are, they, are they all good? Yeah. Well, you know, there's plenty out there. Plenty of opportunity for anyone to put content out there, which is a good thing. But, um, you know, we, we've, uh, we're media professionals now. We're out in the in the real world trying to make our way, and uh, you know, it, like World Wrestling Entertainment, it's a it's an emotionally violent <laughs> kind of business where uh, you know you can be at the top one day and then fall uh, pretty quickly another. You know, so yeah, and, yeah, and you're you're definitely wrong, definitely right there. It's a roller coaster ride, uh, yeah. the world of uh, media, radio, television, all of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But. Mm-hmm. Uh, Talk about your kind of first uh, experiences with professional wrestling. Wrestling, how did yeah. you get into it? Um, so actually, it goes back to um, I, I should say this about myself. I'm a person with a disability. Uh, I was diagnosed with cerebral palsy when I was 18 months old, and um, the first initial exposure that I had to professional wrestling was growing up as a kid, um, kind of watching the ruthless aggression part of that era in WWE, but um, my doctor who, um, became my, uh, physiatrist, the person that handles, uh, all the muscular issues and anything physical related to my disability. Um, he was a semi-professional wrestler, um, before becoming a medical doctor. So we founded a, uh, professional wrestling event called Timmy Takedown that enabled, uh, rehabilitation patients to, become a professional wrestler for the day. Um, and because Dr. Chuck was trained in, um, being able to perform maneuvers, um, you know, he's able to execute them in a way that people with disabilities or rehabilitation issues, they get better over time. They're able to participate without getting hurt and can have the, the boas and the big music, anything that you would expect to have, all the pomp and circumstance of course yeah yeah and what what was great about it for my family was you know Skyler you know this uh being my college classmate but um my dad was a professional musician in Indianapolis for uh 40 years and 
at our initial uh, event to, in 2001, it was just raining. Uh, it was just sheets of rain coming down. And um, my dad had a gig the same evening <laughs> as the wrestling, uh, but ended up setting up the sound uh, for the event. And uh, because the other event was formal, I think it was like a wedding reception or something. He had a uh, tuxedo. So, you know, he was nice. in the middle of the ring with with the microphone and introduced everybody. So it really did kind of look like a formal one, even though it was very much informal mm-hmm. and it got bigger uh, throughout time. You know, it got sponsors. And um, the last one that I was really hands on with, um, I got all of the uh, different affiliates in Indianapolis to show up at Riley Children's Hospital for that event. And um not to name drop, but uh, one of the folks that I emailed was Charlie Arnold, who is now with the WWE. So actually, she's now with ESPN yeah. now. Yeah, well, yeah, she has been seen on WWE. Yes, I, I remember her. She so. was Charlie Caruso in uh, WWE. Okay, yeah. So, and I'm not saying I I gave her the story that got her the job, but you know, she did the Timmy takedown story, and then within a month, she's with Vince McMahon. You know, so uh you take J- you take credit take credit the, the jbk bump my friend is a real thing let's let's make that a clear statement okay yeah so um it's and let me let me name drop again this is good this is my mom uh a deeper family history in wrestling my mom uh grew up and went to uh ritter high school grew up on kessler boulevard in uh indianapolis and was next door to dick the bruiser who is arguably like the the most famous wrestler from Indianapolis? So he's from he's from up in my where I live. Actually, he was born up where I lived. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Where I where I live currently. So he's 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 uh from Delphi, Indiana. That's where we born and born in. Yeah. So. And uh, you know, moving on from that, you have uh, Scott Romer, who is one of the world's most famous. Uh, wrestling photographers who married his daughter and then became the photographer for Timmy takedown, you know? So I, I really have kind of been involved and uh, have interacted with folks firsthand that have covered a lot of events or are responsible for folks being in the WWE. Now, I mean um, the wrestling event, I'll say this too. We, uh, that when uh, we would host the event initially we had um us come out first and then we we hired um ohio valley wrestling which eventually became nxt the training ground for wwe but uh because uh the crowd was drawn for the kids to be there eventually we had to have ovw open up first so it's probably the first time ever in wrestling history that professional wrestlers opened up for kids uh it's like oh man that's that's like like, you're like so pretty much so there's this saying that goes in professional yeah. wrestling here. It's like, thanks for the house. So right. the OVW yeah. guys were thanking the kids for the house. Definitely so. And um, just to give you context for the kind of roster that they had at the time when we were doing this event, I mean, they had Shelton Benjamin, Batista, uh, John Cena, Brock Lesnar. Uh, my manager was Matt Morgan, the blueprint who went on to go to uh, TNA wrestling and was a world champion there. I mean, the roster that Jim Cornette and Rip Rogers were able to develop, it's still, some of the players are still the backbone of the company. Randy and, Orton, John Cena, you know, yeah. ben- Benjamin's still there. Brock's still there. Unbelievable. Uh, Bobby Lashley, I think was in OVW. Um, I'm pretty sure I mean, he might be right. Yeah. Um, just really impressive athletes and guys that were multi-talented. It's just, it's not just dudes that had the look, you know, like an ultimate warrior. They had the look, they had the ability to talk, to deliver a promo, like really a golden era of, of talent that came oh, that, That's that will, that is, that is looked lot that is looked at as the best class that ever came out of any training no facility ever, because yeah. those are, that most of those guys are almost all of those guys that you mentioned are hall of famers. No question. Yeah. No question. It, it was unbelievable how Cornette and yeah, Rip were able to get those guys the, the, just to get them at the beginning and then just yeah. see how their careers just took now, off. To be fair. And I'm not, I'm not putting down their, their teaching because you do need the guys to 
you know, allow skill to develop. But when you have a guy as talented as Randy Orton, a multi-generational superstar, and Paul Heyman brought this up, I couldn't believe it. Because when I thought back and how many moments Brock Lesnar had, uh, he was only there for 18 months, his yeah, initial yeah, stay. 0- 02 to 04. Yeah. But think how many moments he was able to generate from oh, yeah. throwing Zach Gowan, who I met firsthand and was in professional wrestling international magazine with. Like he threw him down the stairs. He had the superplex with uh, Big Show. Um, Multiple world title wins. Yeah, I mean, some very classic oh, moments. He was, um, he, he, uh, he was the guy that took uh, took the fall against Eddie Guerrero when he won the WWE Championship. Right. Even in losses, they, they were ones that you remember. Um, even his last match at WrestleMania 20, which was awful. It was, was awful. Was memorable. You know what I mean? Like... Uh, and then he then he ended up getting uh, signed by the Vikings and like cut after week three of the preseason, you know. But then he went and worked in Japan, and then right, ended right. up in the UFC, world champion, back to WWE. You know, everyone else knows. Everyone knows the story. Apparently, he's happy now. Oh yeah, well he's making money, not doing a whole lot. Right. Mm-hmm. I think he's got his own like butcher meat business or whatever now too. <laughs> okay. There you go. But yeah, that's kind of crazy to think about that. And uh, so, speaking of like we we're talking, we're talking about wrestling and yeah, your favorite kind of kind of your kind of your kind of uh, the uh, Timmy takedown. So, who were your, some of your favorites growing up? Man, um, obviously, you know Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock. Uh, I was a really big fan of The Undertaker. I kind of grew up. Not with Dead Man Undertaker, but biker. like Biker and MAGA Undertaker, you know, <laughs> uh, which which is kind of interesting uh, looking at where I am now. <laughs> but uh, Kurt Angle was tremendous. Um, you know, I liked um, the Hardy Boys, you know. That, that, uh, that was my, that was, those were guys, those were my you know, guys. The TLC matches with Edge and Christian and the Dudley Boys, like you had such a diverse and deep roster you know there there was different options you know and and you didn't crap through your matchups like you could mix and match a lot of different things like the best Um, like like uh i was gonna sorry to interrupt you here but like we look at look at we look at the attitude era as a whole Mm -hmm. the quite possibly the greatest pay-per-view in wrestling history came from that era the peak of that era which was wrestlemania 17 in 2001 yeah yeah, and I, I think if I'm correct, uh, that was the one WrestleMania where I think it was in Houston. Undertaker was the main event against Triple H, and like he drove his bike, you know, down the down the ramp, which was kind of cool. You know, he yeah. was able to rip it a little bit. Um, you know that the, the the thing that kills me about WWE. I mean, it's basically uh, for folks that don't understand wrestling and are like, oh, it's stupid. I say it's a soap opera for guys. That's exactly what it is. It is people and people yeah. don't get it. I, I, I there's right. people, people will just never like be able to do it. It's like, it's like doing a math equation in their head. It's like this big, long equation. It's like, why right. do people like this stuff? I don't know. Uh, why do you like <laughs> your TV shows? Those are fake too. Yeah. Nothing's real about those shows. The hey. risks they're taking on those in the matches. Those are, that's real. <laughs> If this were the young and the restless, okay, the original character is Ric Flair. Okay. He's yes. still somehow on the show. Uh and is he gonna wrestle, Skyler? Like what's what's the date on the new last match for Flair? I <laughs> think it's this weekend. Not to date the podcast, but you know. Yeah, well, we're recording this on Tuesday the nineteenth. Um, Ric Flair's last match, and he's actually fighting an injury right now, too, heading into that last <laughs> match. Yeah, being old age that's that's yeah, seven, 73 years old <laughs> and um, yeah july jay 31st lethal. jay lethal will be able to sell enough that it'll, it'll look fine and Jarrett will do the same because those guys are pretty much yeah. pretty safe guys to work with and he's teaming up with his uh son-in-law oh cool andrade yeah. el idolo uh who's married to his daughter charlotte flair so that that'll be it'll be an interesting tag match if you the it's a pretty stacked card, actually, if you look at it. I'm not going to get into details regarding <laughs> it, but 
Right. It's a very, very, it's like a, it's like a super show level car. Cause I had to move from one venue to another because it was so, uh, the, the tickets were running out so fast because of mm. well, flares a draw. We, we all know this already at this point, but yeah. And, uh, uh, and, uh, flair, he is the epitome of sports entertainer really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, you know, there, there is a song called Ric Flair drip for a reason, man. I mean, he, he still is kind of viewed, uh, iconically as a guy that, you know, likes to show off and, is the silent profiling, uh, limousine riding, son of a gun. So, you know, uh, that's actually what this shirt says. Uh, I would read it, but then I wouldn't yeah. be performing. So. Yeah, hey, it's all right. <laughs> but, yeah, that's for those who are listening at home and not watching along. But yeah, Jimmy's wearing a Ric Flair T-shirt <laughs> saying silent profiling, limousine riding, jet flying, kiss dealing, uh, wheeling dealing, son of a gun. Oh, also, Skyler, another connection that I find it weird in, in this life. You know, you had the the Colts during their playoff run. I think it was 2015, 2016. Uh, when they used Ric Flair as kind of a celebratory thing of yeah. give me two claps and a Ric Flair. You know, like that, that was kind of different. Uh, yeah, he did. And they did yeah. the entire like promo, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Yeah. Oh man, that was great. Yeah. That was that was a good time. Actually, that was fun. Uh huh. That, that was, was fun. a great time. Well, and Pat McAfee. He speaking of that. That's right. Speaking of Indianapolis <laughs> related, Indiana related things. McAfee. We had him on the uh, podcast, not the podcast, but the uh, morning show back yeah. in when we were in Indianapolis. Uh-huh. Speaking of which, he was on his phone during this about to wreck his car. <laughs> <laughs> that was a horrible driving decision. But <laughs> he was, we were talking about his like celebrations <laughs> and stuff because he would imitate professional wrestling. He'd do the Razor Ramon. Rest right. in peace, Razor Ramon, by the way. <laughs> yes, yes, sir. He was on uh, Diamond Dallas Page's documentary. Fantastic. Uh, rather, uh, the... Um, Jake, Jake the Snake, Snake Roberts, yeah, which was and, which was a great redemption story, and and I'm doing uh, DDPY in order to get this in order to get into shape. Now I would recommend that to anybody. And yeah, uh, it's life changing, man. It's certainly oh, life changing. It'll turn back the hands of time, baby. You want those back aches and hip aches to go away? Do it every day, and it'll get better. I promise yeah, you. DDP is insane, by the way. This dude's like <laughs> 65 years old and can like hold his leg over his head. Yeah, with all the chronic injuries he's had in, in uh, wrestling, yeah. all respect to him, man. All respect to him, and uh, uh, we're let's let's get into the moments from the Attitude Era because this was the hottest time, arguably, in professional wrestling outside of the late '80s, Hogan yeah. Hulkamania, mid to late '80s, Hulk Hogan Hulkamania, all that stuff. But this, it's like are it's are you between this and that era, the Attitude Era of well the the Hogan era and then the attitude era of which era was the most uh the best era for uh wwe which honestly i would say the attitude era more so than the from a like an everything standpoint i think it's the attitude era yeah because it's it was more catered to the adult so so back in the 80s not like mid mid 80s to early 90s it was catered Actually, to the mid '90s, by the actually, it was catered to kids. It was catered to kids like eight <laughs> yeah. to uh-huh. eight to ten or what? Not eight to ten, but like from like five to eleven or twelve. Very cartoonish. Very cartoonish. Mm-hmm. But when they did the, you started the attitude era. You injected reality into it. That's that's yeah. really what it was, and it was just some of the wackiest crap you will ever see. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's definitely true. Some of the crates, somebody about got their private sliced off as well at one point. Pardon? When did that happen? Uh, it was Kai and Tai, <laughs> which was a uh, Japanese group in uh, WWE. They had Val Venus, if you know the. Was it kayfabe or for real? It was kayfabe, of course. Okay, thank God. But they had them hanging up. <laughs> they had them hanging up in a locker room. Right. And they had a sword ready. <laughs> oh, geez, man. And Val. Yeah. Val Venus is pretty much a porn star. That's pretty much the character. <laughs> okay. Yeah. See, that, that's the other thing too, man. I'll go back and watch old episodes and I'll be like, oh, 
that's what they meant. <laughs> I didn't realize that when I was seven, you yeah. know, watching watching the material. Uh, you know, as far as the moments that I can recall, man, uh, Kurt Angle had the milk truck, um, which was an updated version of Stone Cold and the beer truck. Which only happened um, like a couple years earlier. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, Booker T and Stone Cold fighting in the grocery store. That's classic. Um, oh, and then another moment that I can recall is uh, the Vince McMahon Kiss My Ass Club. Uh, uh, okay, they, yeah, that one. Uh... Yeah. Well, no, it, it was when they uh, basically teased Vince, you know, with The Rock, Trish, and then eventually uh, allowed Rikishi to give him the stink face, you know. So, ah, yeah, I remember that, that, that was one. nice. Because <laughs> I remember they had, they've had William Regal join it. Uh, who's now in AEW, by the way. Uh, oh, wow. William Regal. They had Jim Ross do it, who's in AEW, too, as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, There's a common thread here, isn't there? Uh-huh, yeah. Common thread here. But, uh, no, some of those moments are definitely ones that stick out to me with the Milkomania. Like like you, you uh, we, by the way, this is our second attempt in recording this, by the way. <laughs> we had some issues last night, but. Hey, we're rolling, baby. We're all right. We're rolling. We're rolling here. <laughs> but we discussed this last night where like Jimmy mentioned he it's like who had a milk who knew we had milk trucks in 2001 <laughs> right. because exactly. that happened all that happened in August 2001 who had a milk truck at that point <laughs> yeah i mean it, uh, very 1950s i mean that's you know andy griffith show that's what i think about when i think of milk trucks i think know? i think jim <laughs> ross had a call during that he's dousing him with dairy <laughs> It's milk. Yeah. Also, uh, Mick Foley, who is a Hoosier, a lot of connections back to Indiana. Um, you know, Jim Ross uh, and The Undertaker throwing mankind off of hell in the cell. And good God almighty, they killed him. You know, that, that whole thing. Like, yeah. That, that and then, was funny. And then Jerry Lawler in the same match says, after he gets thrown through the cage and <laughs> with, the, with the chair hitting him in the face, he's right. dead. <laughs> and yeah. there's also there's also right. a part of that match. Uh speaking of another Indiana guy, Terry Funk. He was born in Indiana. <laughs> yeah. He, he's he's more known of being from El Paso, but he was born in Hammond. Mm, he had to come that. down to give Mick time because Mick's oh. just absolutely screwed up at this point completely <laughs> after know. going off the top of the cell, after going through the cell to the mat below that didn't budge at all, which <laughs> is oh gosh. Um, Terry Funk gets choke slammed literally out of his shoes. <laughs> right, yeah. It's uh, dude, like I, you know, I know that a lot of the the maneuvers are performed and executed in a way that it doesn't hurt too bad. When you take a fall like that, that's a legit bump. Like that's what I've realized as an adult is these guys are athletes and they're putting their bodies on the line. And we've seen with like dark side of the ring, all of the a, uh, a and E biographies, like there's wear and tear, there's issues that go along with that. And, uh, you know, professional wrestling is not for the faint of heart. You're, you're probably not going to end up in a very good situation in the long term, no. uh, unless you can properly manage your body, you know? So. And you and it's and even if even at that you're still gonna have issues by the end. It's there's still yeah. gonna be lingering issues. You're gonna I think Kurt Angle had to get he had he had a painkiller issue at one point, but mm-hmm. um he had to get double knee surgery, I think. He had to get like knee replacements and all that. Mm-hmm. So he he's he had to do that. There's just so many other injuries that come into play in uh professional wrestling, but it's, it's not it's it's not <laughs> It's not ballet. That's like that's what that's the best way to put it. Oh no, man, not ballet. Um, we talked about the Austin Booker T's supermarket brawl, which is one of the wildest things you'll ever see in wrestling <laughs> ever. You see milk. You see. Speaking of milk again, how, why does milk get used twice in this? But Steve Austin literally <laughs> hides in a freezer during that. Pulls out like comes out drinking out a half a gallon of milk and says. Hey, Booker got milk and then just starts wailing on him. <laughs> he hits him with like a, a bread slide, bread, uh, like a thing of bread, too. Baguette. Yeah, yeah baguette. He's singing, that's <laughs> some more. Eh? He just starts any. 
I think he, as he's checking out, he slides Booker across the uh, <laughs> the thing. He says, piece of trash on aisle three or whatever, as police is pulling up. And oh, my gosh. It's oh, just- I know another moment, too, uh, that involved going into the street. Uh, I can remember uh, there was a storyline between Stone Cold Steve Austin and Kurt Angle. And Stone Cold uh, stole Kurt Angle's uh, Olympic gold medals and was going to toss them um you know over a bridge or something and uh it ended up that kurt angle kidnapped stone cold like handcuffed him uh blindfolded him and then he dropped him into like a kid pool kiddie pool you know to make it feel to make it feel like he was in the river you know but like it was just a classic way of screwing with who at the time was the top guy, you know, like yeah, and Austin was and the funny thing about this situation, Jimmy, is that yeah. like Austin, as much as Austin's heel turn gets kind of bashed because they thought it was kind of ill advised. Because uh-huh. they tried well, the, the thing was the way they tried to do it was in they did it in Texas, which is Austin's home state, which made no sense, by the mm-hmm. way. They tried to turn Austin heel in his home state, which never that's not gonna work but uh like some of austin's best moments came during his heel run which is the craziest thing to think about yeah well the thing that i've learned at least from the psychology of wrestling and anybody that is any kind of fan uh on a weekly basis would know this like when you're a heel your job is to grab the microphone and say what the common person would never say, (laughs) you know, you have the platform to do that. And Austin uh, being able to deliver, you know, Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass. Like he's going to be perfect for a heel. Um, Even if he's, you know, not going against the the powers that be and Vince McMahon, like the, the aggressiveness and the rattlesnake thing kind of allowed it to form in a good way, in my view. Yeah. yeah, and it was the comedy part of the heel Steve Austin right. character was so much fun because it was him and Kurt Angle going back and forth mostly. And one of those moments, too, uh, speaking of Kurt and Steve Austin, is there's a point. So Stone Cold buys hat cowboy hats for him and Mr. McMahon. Kurt <laughs> Angle gets one as well. Yeah. But it's it's much smaller. It's a little kitty cowboy hat. And it, it's like <laughs> oh, a little mini- that. Yeah, he but sings Jimmy cra- Jimmy can't crack corn, right? Or uh, I don't Jimmy know if it, yeah, maybe during that same episode, <laughs> but he Austin says like Austin gives him the hat, and then Kurt Angle's like, "I feel like a real cowboy, yippee kaye." <laughs> Kurt yeah. was a Kurt was a master of making an ass out of himself. Yeah, you kind of have to be shameless if you work for Vince McMahon. Uh, one one show that I can recall watching a lot, man. I had. I had it on like VHS tape and I, I still have it somewhere. It's how valuable the tape is to me uh, in spite of having WWE network available. But uh, I watched um, it was like a end of the year, New Year's Eve special in 2001 and it had like the best of the year. And 2001 is arguably the best, you know, calendar year for WWE. So it really kind of surmised um that whole time and it yeah, was two there, entertaining. Yeah. yeah yeah and there's so we like we're, we're still speaking about stone cold steve austin here but there's another one that sticks out too and it's involves mick foley as well mr mcmahon's in the hospital mick oh, comes right. in with them with the yep. box of chocolates the clown and mcmahon wants out wants him out but then there's a doctor in there <laughs> but that's not the doc it's not an actual doctor it's stone cold steve austin to open up a can of whoop ass and he certain certainly does that on the October 5th, 1998 Raw, coming disguised as a doctor. Stick the catheter up McMahon's uh, <laughs> backside, which was uh, very funny because you'll you just hear McMahon going, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> and then the um, best part. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Scott. I'm the sorry. The best man. part of it. God. Austin grabs a bedpan and just swings at McMahon, and you hear this big gunk. There is a good sound when it, when it hits the cranium, dude. It's it's nice, yeah. And I think McMahon told him he's like, "Hit me as hard as you can with it." <laughs> that was legit. Like that's a that's a bump you would have to take. 
Um, one thing I was going to say about Vince McMahon, uh, I would love when he would fire somebody. <laughs> you know, the, the whole, you're fired. You're <laughs> like, fired. Like, totally from the depths of hell, <laughs> pulling that out. And, like, uh, you know, you had during this whole time, by the way, guys, in spite, you know, with everything going on, he also launches the XFL in 2001. The XFL. Yeah. This is the XFL. Like, it was just the worst, dude. And you had, like, that 30 for 30 talking about the uh, the truck that ran out of gas. Like, that's the reason the, the league folded. It was a dude forgot to fill up a production truck with gas. Merry <laughs> Christmas. They're, like, they had some good ideas that the NFL <laughs> actually stole from. Totally. They yeah. did. There was a couple of ideas they did. Mm-hmm. Um, the on-field cam? Yeah, that was, that um, was definitely a good one. And the uh, the bird's-eye view cam, you know, the that travels on a wire. Other so. ideas? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, even the like the kickoff situation, you would have two po- one player from each team just run into each other. You had people getting injured left and right, and the game wasn't even kicked off. Like, you can't have that. There was a legendary line that came from the XFL. It was Jeff Brom, actually, who's the current coach of the Purdue Boilermakers. <laughs> yep. Uh, he said, oh, so am I alive? Do I have a pulse? Yeah, let's play football. Because <laughs> yeah. he, like, he got concussed, like, the week before or something. Yeah, like, absolutely pretty much killed the week before. And in these in this day and age, he would not be playing. No. Well, and I think, if I'm correct, they had, a, you know, Tommy Maddox was in that league. Like, yep. he was a decent player. They had a few good guys, you know, mm-hmm. that were playing. And Tommy Maddox ended up playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Sorry, mm-hmm. sports nerd right there. But sports yeah. nerd coming out. But, uh, uh, yeah, the XFL yeah. was a birth part of an attitude era. <laughs> think about it because i think the rock initially introduced it came out for the uh yeah. opening game and i uh, was hyping it up and stuff which now looking at hindsight he's now the he runs the xfl with his ex-wife yeah well and two man it's another connection this is just the way life works i think you know you had the xfl get relaunched uh in 2020 or whenever that happened um Andrew Luck's dad was the commissioner, <laughs> Oliver Luck, you know? So, again, it comes back to uh, Indy and our relationship. You know? <laughs> Oddly enough, guys, this podcast is kind of uh, – it, it summarizes a lot in the wrestling business. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does, certainly. And uh, yeah. one big moment from the wrestling business. So, like, WCW back in 99 was starting to, like, get – WWE guys – were coming over from WCW. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, WCW guys were starting to go over to WWE. I meant that's what the idea was. But like one of the biggest debuts of them were was Chris Jericho back in uh, August of that year in '99. Mm-hmm. He interrupted The Rock of all people during his promo. The Millennium <laughs> Clock hit the countdown, and he enters, cuts a promo. And his initial run wasn't great, but once he got going, man, he was he's all he's arguably one of the goats now. Still going strong at 51. Yeah, I remember um I was as I said, I was a really big fan of uh Undertaker and I bought um kind of a documentary on him uh called The Undertaker, This Is My Yard. <laughs> and it showed uh that promo that Chris uh dropped and i can remember the undertaker you know in his voice saying you need to shave that peach fuzz <laughs> and uh you know like oh and the thing that undertaker would always do i think he still does it is you know he would roll his eyes in the back of his head like that that is such a great thing to add to that character i don't know if anyone else is capable of that but, often imitated um, never duplicated yeah man like uh Undertaker looks the part. <laughs> he fits the mold for that character, you know. Yeah, and like by that during that attitude era, it was like actually kind of split into two parts because for the first, I'd say, two years of it, because really that they kind of marked the attitude era starting in '98, depending on what your takes are on it, because you could say '97 around where Bret Hart got Bret screwed Bret apparently, which we all know the story of that, mm-hmm. but. You could say it started in late 97, early 98, but 
Taker had the dead man persona for that point, but then he, by about, I think 2000, I think it was at 99, maybe it was mid 99 where he introduced the biker gimmick. Yeah. And you know, that's, I think that's a testament to undertaker is that he's remained the same um, on a base level, but every few years he kind of changes, you know, he'll change his hair. He'll change the, you know, kind of uh, clothes he'll wear, you know, that sort of thing. So as much as he stayed the same, he's also continued to evolve through mm-hmm. time, which is cool. And what yeah. what's so cool about the Attitude Era uh, is the spontaneity of everything. Like you had some of the craziest things happen, which include, by the way, uh, Mae Young giving birth to a hand. <laughs> yeah, there was that, yeah. And Mark Henry was at that point, WWE Hall of Famer now, Mark Henry then was Sexual Chocolate. Oh, really? Was that his name? Yes. His nickname was <laughs> Sexual Chocolate, Mark Henry. And he had a great theme song. If anybody goes, go out, go and check it out. It's fantastic. It's, <laughs> we had The Godfather 2. Oh, right. The Ho Train. The Ho, all aboard the Ho Train. Yeah. And puppies. Oh, <laughs> Jerry yeah. Lawler and his puppies. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Lawler, man. They objectified women on a weekly basis, buddy. I'm <laughs> happy. Back at I'm, it. Yeah. I'm happy they evolved. The the Me Too era would have had a field day with, with WWE back in the day. That is for certain. That's for certain. I like the way the direction the women's wrestlings went since then for sure because it's really gotten up given the women an opportunity to showcase themselves and outside of the bikini contest bra and panty <laughs> matches all that okay. stuff yeah. some people will find a fondness to it that's to each their own but i enjoy watching the women actually get to perform and go at it like the guys do yeah, man. I mean, they're they're as much as part of the show as as anybody. Uh, the one criticism I would have for WWE, I mean, there there's several, but one that stands out to me is, uh, you know, if everybody's a superstar, <laughs> does anyone stand out? Like, I I don't know. Um, you, you know, you certainly do have different tiers to the to the business. I'm not sure. Yeah, no, no, I no, you're you're 100 right there. <laughs> like, yeah. there there's certain people that are. At this level, at, at this level, at this level, or at this level, right? Like it's like there, it's a, there's tears to it. And I think honestly, no one's the issue is with unique characters anymore. There, there's not a lot of uniqueness to no. what they're doing. They, they, the way and the way they're training these wrestlers anymore, like they're all training them to wrestle them mostly the same. It seems like not all, but it seems like most of them kind of train the same, and they're they completely went away from bringing guys off the independent circuit and bringing these people that are absolutely green, right? Green as grass off out of just off a college campus pretty much. And, uh, have them learn the WWE style of wrestling and have it, that, that be their style. Well, and tell you the truth, man, I mean, I'll, I'll, uh, drop a detail about my life. You know, I, I grew up with my dad being part of the, uh, Bob and Tom band, you know, so I've been in the radio and TV business since I was a little kid. Um, but one of the things that got me interested in becoming a broadcaster was listening to Jim Ross, like the, the lack of creativity that they're able to have on air now, because there's limitations with the words you could say, and they're scripting promos. Vince makes like, up 800 rules. I mean, they're in a box. They can't do anything basically you can't call them wrestlers you have to call them superstars you gotta do this you have sometimes you have michael cole who is good michael cole's good we i've made that comment michael cole's really good but don't feed it don't they they have a tendency to feed them lines that sound absolutely manufactured Mm -hmm. yeah does anyone say this specific thing yeah well and the um you know i think that Pat McAfee is a good athlete and uh, can generate some buzz for the WWE. I think it's a smart move. Um, But Vince knows that because the product is now on Fox, you know, a basic or a uh, network uh, station, he's going to have to try to appeal to the broad, to the broadest audience that he can. And he knows Pat as a wrestling fan 
is going to bring in the barstool, uh, you know, his 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 fan his fan base pretty much over right, yeah, which which is fine, which is fine, and that's that's fine. That's WWE is an entertainment entity entity. Like all professional wrestling companies are all they're entertainment, but there's some companies that focus more on the pro wrestling product than Mm -hmm. like others. Which WWE doesn't really put an emphasis on the wrestling. It's more supposed to be character driven, but yeah depends and pat mcafee's about to wrestle again by the way you're looking like it's gonna be wrestling at SummerSlam. isn't corbin a former cult too they, they yep. were teammates at one point yeah. yep <laughs> what position did corbin play he was, was a, i think he was an offensive lineman oh he's a big guy huh he's a big guy yeah he slimmed down quite a bit since then mcafee as i as i'd like to i want to keep talking about mcafee here for a moment but <laughs> mcafee is he's one of the best guys that I've ever seen coming cold off the street. Now he, he trained from, he trained and rip with Rip Rogers for a he while. He took some bumps. Yeah. I, I saw him, he, but I'm just saying a guy, former football player, former athlete turned pro wrestler. He is one of the guy, best guys ever coming out of that. Just first cold match. off the street. Yeah. I mean, and you know, to have to deliver uh, a scripted promo is always difficult, but I think, even with a script, he can make it his own such large. Yeah. Like so much larger than life that he'll sell it, you know? And that, and him and him being on commentary with Michael Cole has injected new life into Michael Cole. Yeah. And and it's a smart move. I mean, his most valuable asset is putting a microphone in his face and letting him go. I mean, and let me say this, knowing Pat uh, through family connections and, and different things like He's a very smart guy, and I think he gets bored <laughs> quickly. So, allowing him to have a little more, a little bit more room to operate will will make that a better product. You know? Yeah, and they're moving to TV fourteen. Did you know that? Apparently, so they're not going to be on Fox anymore. I think they're going to be on Fox. It's just, I just think they're. I think maybe Raw or some. Maybe Raw. Raw might be moving to TV fourteen, which is on USA. There. The, so it, what? TV four. Oh, you mean like the rating? Yeah. And they, what were they before? TVPG. They've been TVPG since 2008. So they're getting, they're getting worse. They're getting dirtier. Uh, hopefully. I don't know what that entails, but yeah. it, the, 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 these days, I, uh, so Jimmy, I have an off and on love with W, off and off, off and on love, not love, but off and on relationship with WWE. I'll turn it on for the pay per views, depending on what it is. But anymore, yeah. I cannot sit through television with them. Really, I, I can't. It's in hmm. the way they the way it's filmed, the lack of emphasis on wrestling. Because I, my at my age, I want to see wrestling. I want to see the guys perform in the ring, and some of the best guys get pushed, and not some of the old guys. Like they, WWE has a tendency to push the old guys instead of the trying to get new, fresh blood into things. Uh huh. I, I totally agree, man. Um, you know, like it's uh, <laughs> the business is not in the place that you would want it to be, even though WWE is, uh, you know, on a network uh, at this point, like it, it has to change because you can only appeal to kids for so long until eventually you have to <laughs> move to in appeal the to adults, you know, I, and it, honestly, it was smart to go from, you know, the ruthless aggression era to more toward kids. You had your roster aging. You needed to create new stars. You've kind of run its course with this strategy. So flip it again. Um, bring back Paul Heyman and, and those guys. To well, Heyman's, Heyman's been around. Oh, see, I don't know. Heyman, like, Heyman's been around for since Brock came. No, Brock, not Brock came back. Before even Brock came back. Eh, no, it was around Brock. Around the time, well, maybe I, a little after. I I found out, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Like he used to write SmackDown, and when I was growing up, I there were weeks I preferred SmackDown over Raw. It was well, well show. the thing is, the thing is with that, Jimmy, you look at that ruthless aggression era. Right. Raw was the entertainment show. SmackDown was the wrestling show. Right. So. Mm-hmm. And some people, a lot of people love that SmackDown show because you had the SmackDown Six in there. You had Eddie Guerrero, you had Chop, you had Eddie Guerrero, 
Kurt Angle, Rey Mysterio, Edge, Brock Lesnar was there as well. Undertaker was on there. And that was there. the B show. <laughs> that was supposed to be the B show, but it really was the yeah. A show if you look at it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was great, man. John Cena um, was on there too. That was when he was starting to rise up too. Um. Oh, another element to my wrestling fandom. I used to play uh, SmackDown versus Raw, all of the video games. Oh, me um, too. So, you know, I, I even when I wasn't watching weekly episodes, I was, you know, participating with the different products that they have. So. And did you did you so so what's the earliest copy of a video wrestling video game? Oh wow. Uh I had a WCW game with Bill Goldberg on the front when I had a PlayStation oh, one. Does WCW Mayhem? Probably, yeah. I had uh <laughs> WWF SmackDown two. I, I had that one probably too. And yeah. I had I had No Mercy, which is the most one of the most famous games of all time. Um yeah, every every system that I've owned up up until this last one, I've had a wrestling game. I'm so. still rocking with the Xbox 360. <laughs> <laughs> well, they still have the networks open, dude. I'm not sure how much longer they'll even have those servers. I don't I I just have well, I just have the I don't have I've never had live, so but okay. I but yeah. I uh I just played by myself typically and uh yeah i own wrestling games are a pretty important time part of my childhood too is just playing those and having fun i still play them yeah to this day and so but man i'm on my old xbox 360 where i have to hit the disc hit the top to open the disc thing because it's jammed man the fact that you even have a 360 that hasn't faced like the red ring of death it actually has the funny thing is it did at one point that was early on Oh, really? Wow. See, I, I can remember horror stories. I used to have play, a PlayStation up until I got the Series X. But uh, when I had my PlayStation and Xbox owners would cry to me, you know, I got the red ring of death. It's like, yeah. <laughs> so is everybody else. Four out of five, whatever it was. Um, you know, so PlayStation always had my loyalty, but... Uh, Always fun playing the WWE games. I've been rocking the Xbox 360 for 15 years now. Or Man. 14 years now, I think. I got the first <laughs> copy of... One of the first games I got for my Xbox 360 was SmackDown versus Raw 2009 with Triple H and Shawn Michaels on the front. Even for the short time that I had a GameCube, I bought a wrestling game. Was, was it Day of Reckoning? I have no idea. It was... It wasn't the greatest game in the world. Was it uh, Legends of? It may have been Legends of Wrestling. It was. It was based on like the concept of the game was a. It was based on momentum. So if like you weren't winning in the beginning, you weren't gonna win in the end. <laughs> okay, gotcha. gotcha yeah. There. It, it um, wasn't based on like ability. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. Oh man. So like it, that, like those kind of things, like leave an indelible mark on our childhoods and stuff with the video games. Did you ever get wrestling magazines? Um, I, I subscribed to it and like had the action figures, um, but I never read them that closely. Uh, the biggest involvement that I had firsthand was like organizing Timmy takedown and, um, trying to get that all set up. I mean, I, I would work on biographies and music. I was involved uh, from all with all of that uh, each year. So oh, yeah. that's, that's neat, man. That's neat. Yeah. I like my, my wrestling thing now is with uh, like, like what I like to do in my free time is read wrestling autobiographies, biographies, autobiographies. Yeah. last year i read like eight different books regarding pro wrestling whether it was an autobiography biography or just kind of about individual wrestlers there was one book i read uh it was the pro wrestling vault by vinnie barry who is also a wrestling photographer but he's that's down in texas i uh, had an opportunity to interview him read his book uh lance von eric by it was a lance von eric book he helped write uh cool. with with the von eric that wasn't really a von eric oh Wait, so why why is it just the character? Like so the last the, name? so 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 uh, just to give everyone a history lesson real quick, but a lot of the Von Eric there's only one surviving Von Eric brother of fame and Von yeah. Eric family in Texas. So they had to so I the I think it was one of the first ones that passed away. They had Lance come in and replace uh, him, which didn't work out. They they brought in a guy 
bodybuilder type mm-hmm. and it didn't end up working out, but it was kind of, it was an interesting story, but I've read, have you read any biographies about wrestlers? Uh, the, really the only extent man is like dark side of the ring and A and E stuff. Okay. Yeah. Like there's some great books out there to uh, check out and recommend everyone at home to read some of these, but uh, Mick Foley's is definitely one of the golden golden oh, yeah. ones. The first have a nice day, which is a very long <laughs> book, by the way, it's like, I, I have the uh, mass market paperback, which is the smallest one, but it's like 700 and some pages, but yeah. it's fantastic. And you can tell Mick wrote Mick that like when they don't have editors on these biographies, Right. Really, they have them like ghostwriters. That's what it is. It's more ghostwriting. Okay. Fully wrote everything himself. Yeah. And it just makes it so much better. And then, like, Chris Jericho's is really good as well. Reading that book, uh, A Lion's Tale, the first one, because it okay. covers up everything up leading up to his WWE debut, which we just talked about earlier, which was yeah. him uh, interrupting The Rock and the Millennium Clock and all that stuff it's really good you can because you read it the greatest thing about those books is you can read it in their voice you can hear them pretty much speaking it to you that's sometimes one of the best things about those uh those uh books but uh i want to get another question in before we decide to uh wrap things up here jimmy um so uh so we both we kind of both grew up mostly during the uh the ruthless aggression era. Do you prefer that over the attitude era or vice versa? Um, I, I'm more aware of the ruthless aggression. So uh, that's what I came up in. And, uh, you know, I've met a lot of guys from that time. I, I ran through the list. I mean, uh, the the one pay-per-view that I can recall going to during that time um, was the Great American Bash uh, that was here. And, um at, at Gainsbridge Fieldhouse, and uh, the name changed like eight hundred times. Yeah, I, I don't know what the proper sponsor is at this point, but it's um, Gainbridge. It's Gainbridge. You're right. <laughs> okay, but um, you know, I got to meet the great Kali, uh, uh, Ray Mysterio, Booker T, who was King Booker <laughs> still at the time. Um, you know, so I really have kind of been immersed in it uh, through my first twenty seven years and. Um, it's been, it's been a remarkable ride really to, to see all that entertainment and to, uh, not have to worry about it either. You know, there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of concern in my childhood, which I, I feel like, uh, not to make it political, but there's a bad climate, uh, around everything now. And and then these days, yes, that's, I, I completely agree with you there. It's not the greatest climate we're in, in this world, but there, the one thing that professional wrestling does, and it, I think, I think you can relate to me on this level here, Jimmy. But mm-hmm. it's a form of escapism. It it gets a, a for at least two hours, whenever we watch, however long we watch of this, it gives us a break from the try uh, the trials and tribulations of everyday life. It gets a sec, gives us a few minutes gives us that moment in time to completely forget about everything that's going on around us and just get focus on the television and be entertained. Yeah, no, I totally agree, man. Similar to, you know, the NFL or any kind of activity that you use to find peace, you know, and um, also for folks like me that wake up in this universe uh, and, uh, on my best day i'm five five you know like you're able to also immerse yourself in uh superstars that are like superheroes that that's the reason why they're built the way that they are so um it is sort of a way for uh gentlemen uh and women uh men and women to uh see a superhero uh, in real time and then like in that especially as a kid it makes you like okay aspire to be something like that or yeah along those lines and it's it's very it's very cool and and it's like the most athletic form of soap opera you'll ever see yeah the injuries are real i like that when it goes bad that that's a legit thing and um you know the these guys deserve recognition for the amount of time sweat blood and tears that goes into 
trying to perform. But anybody, um, anybody that ever steps in the ring has more guts than 95% of people in this world. Yeah. I mean, it, the, underneath the canvas, it's basically, uh, you know, plywood and a, a thin base. layer of pad <laughs> or whatever. It's you know very what I mean? Thin. Like it's not there. Um, and I, I'm thinking about like undertaker doing old school like that. That's that seems crazy now, especially um, on your knees. Yeah, right. And he's a six foot. He's a six foot ten guy doing jumping off the top rope, doing that kind of stuff. And he would and, do a swan dive out of the ring as a, as a six ten dude. Like what? There's a guy these days, uh, Jimmy. If you go check him out, and if you have, if y'all haven't heard of him at home, you need to go check him out. Keith Lee. This dude is three hundred and fifty pounds, and he's mm-hmm. doing flips over the running off running off the ropes and doing flips over the top rope doing moonsaults doing wow he he can do all that kind of stuff he is incredible he is fantastic and uh jimmy i really appreciate you coming on man it's been a lot of fun yeah man of course it's a it's a pleasure to catch up skylar and uh best of luck man professional wrestling will, will be a good distraction uh it's been a good now distraction and, for the last few years. in the future, you know? So I, I think the industry will be around, but like anything else, it'll, it'll have to change, I think, to, to survive. Yeah, so. it will. Yeah, and it does. It adapts. And, it's, and there's an independent scene that's thriving pretty well right now. So I think the, the state of professional wrestling is pretty good at this point. But, uh, Jimmy, before we decide to wrap things up and uh, go, uh, yeah. I just wanted to – kind of give you an opportunity because uh you have your own podcast you host sure called jbk on air and uh tell it tell the folks at home a little bit about it uh so jbk on air uh it, during the pandemic obviously i've kind of been uh isolated to, <laughs> to my own home so it's basically my creative vessel uh to put content out that i want to uh for Fans of professional wrestling. Uh, I interviewed Scott Romer, who I talked about on here. Same, well, you know, th- interviewed him on the our, my show as exactly. well, too. So yeah. that, shout out to Jimmy for that, because he was the one that provided me the uh, info and uh, everything regarding that. And I really appreciate that. And so, yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, Jimmy, but continue. No, man, no. But um, as Skylar said, he interviewed him on his show. Uh, that's a great tape, hour-long thing of a lot of great wrestling stories and um you know scott's storied career of several events um for folks that want to follow the podcast leave a review um you know you can search it by um searching my initials jbk on air o-n-a-i-r uh and you can also follow me on social media at jbk on air so there you go man yeah make sure to check out his podcast jbk on air with the man the myth the legend Jimmy himself. You find it anywhere you get your podcast. So make sure to check that out and uh, make sure to follow him on social media as well. For Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show, you can follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Sig Daddy Wrestle and on Instagram at Sig Daddy.Wrestle. You can also find the podcast anywhere you get your podcast, whether, whether that's Google Podcasts, mm-hmm. Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app wherever in the world you can get your podcast, you can probably find Sig Daddy's wrestling show. So you don't have new, you have no excuse if you can't find it. Listen to it, people. Listen to it. <laughs> There's over 135 episodes now of this show. For the love of God. For the love it. of God, check it out. <laughs> and leave a review as well. But no, I appreciate everyone who does listen to the show. Uh, love the conversations I have with folks on Twitter regarding wrestling and stuff. Most of the time they're good. And uh, that's, that's all I can ask for. Cause you're going to get the bad here and there, but most of the time you'll get good stuff from uh, uh, people. Hopefully it just, it, as long as you don't spread bad mojo, you should be okay. But you can send me a tweet at Sig Daddy wrestle and uh, make sure to leave a review for a uh, Sig Daddy's wrestling show. Uh, either on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. That's now featured on there too as well. So, yep, check out the show. Check out my show. Check out JBK's show, JBK On Air. <laughs> and uh, we're wrapping things up here. Next week on Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show, by the way, will be J.O.'s return. He'll be back. 
He'll be with me to review a classic TNA show, uh, TNA Wrestling's Destination X 2005. So stay tuned for that next week on Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. And uh, for Jimmy, I'm Skyler Sig Daddy Sigmund. <laughs> signing off, saying thank you all for listening, and so long, everybody.